This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts Tyler and Curtis what's up guys welcome back to another edition of the glory UGA podcast I'm Tyler and back with me today is my co-host Curtis and guys I know I told you earlier in the week we were going to do our annual analysis of all the preseason magazines by playing a little buy or sell something that we enjoy doing each and every offseason we're going to get to that but As I'm sure just about all of you saw earlier today, there was some mega breaking news in the college ball world with potentially very far-reaching implications as the Big Ten has officially announced that it is moving to a conference-only regular season schedule for the 2020 college football season. Uh, It looks like it will be a 10-game conference-only schedule, at least that's what I saw somewhere today. Uh, Then it was widely rumored among the college football media that the ACC was going to be right on the Big Ten's heels and was going to announce their own conference-only plan. But according to Stadium's Brett McMurphy, who is usually all over this type of thing, as of right now, and I cannot emphasize that enough because this is an extraordinarily fluid situation, but as of right now, no official announcement has been made on that front for the ACC, although McMurphy still maintains that, quote, the likely outcome will be league-only games. Nicole Auerbach of The Athletic is the one who actually broke this Big Ten news today. She's also reporting that she's being told that, quote, any news about the ACC is premature at this point. But she did also go on to report that, quote, multiple industry insiders tell The Athletic that they expect the Pac-12 to go to conference-only scheduling as well in the coming days. Now, as far as I have seen at this point, no one has reported that any announcement is pending from the SEC. In fact, Greg Sankey just came out a couple of minutes ago and said what he's basically said all along, that the conference office is in communication with the campus leaders and are being guided by medical advisors, all those kind of things, but no decision has been made right now, and they're still looking at all the data and the circumstances surrounding the, uh, the coronavirus. So that hasn't moved yet. We haven't gotten any official announcement from the SEC. Right now, it's just the Big Ten and some rumors about some other conferences. But guys, the SEC and the University of Georgia do not exist in a vacuum. We, we may enjoy some semblance of independence as a conference, but 
there is no doubt as to the interconnected nature of college athletics. That's just the way things have been structured for really ever in the college athletics world. And the Big Ten's decision, its trickle-down effect could well set off a chain reaction of sorts that may ultimately force other conferences, including the SEC, to make alterations to their own scheduling plans for this hopefully upcoming 2020 season. Needless to say, this is all a massive cluster of chaos. So yeah, while Curtis and I had previously prepared an entirely different show for you guys today, the preseason magazine by yourselves that we really love doing, we're going to call an audible and we're going to dive into the implications of the Big Ten's announcement and what it may mean for the SEC and more importantly to all of us, what it may mean for Georgia football. Now, there is obviously going to be a fair bit of speculation on our part today. We don't know what's going to happen any more than any of you do out there. We don't know. Uh, But we're going to do our best to work through all the possibilities and layers to this because the implications, really, they're so incredibly multifaceted here. And my mind has been going about a thousand miles per hour the past hour or so since the news broke. So bear with us today. We don't have any notes for this show, which is not normally how we operate. This all happened very quickly. This is not what we planned to discuss on the show today. It's going to be choppy. It's going to be kind of all over the place. Uh, Like I said, I'm still trying to work my mind through all of this. It's all kind of just a jumble right now in my head. And we've really, like, we've been trying to avoid coronavirus talk as much as possible on this show because we know you guys have just been inundated with that all over the place. And we want this to kind of be. Uh, a place you could come to get away from from that for a little while as much as possible. But saying that, Curtis and I both felt that this news and its potential implications was just too big to ignore. All right, Kurt. Honestly, man, I don't even know where to start with all of this today. There are just so many different directions to go in, so many different facets of this to discuss. But I guess that's open with an easy one. Like, just tell me, what was your initial reaction when you first saw this conference-only announcement from the Big Ten today? I'll be honest, I thought it was a bit of an overreaction. I'm not saying, you know, a lot of people have different opinions on the coronavirus or COVID-19, whatever you want to call it. Just, you know, a lot of people look at it differently. But I just, I like what they're saying is the SEC's uh, approach to it of how, you know, they're going to wait till a little bit longer before they commit to something like that. And that's how I think it should be. I think making the announcement now at the early part of July is just way too early realistically. Yeah, I, that's certainly certainly a thought that crossed my mind when I saw this. I'm kind of thinking like, why now? So like, what is your answer to that, Kirk? Because I'm not sure I have a definitive answer. I'm still kind of working through this part of it. Why now? Why did the Big Ten make this, this decision now, July 9th, and not wait until, say, the first week of August? Um, well, let's be honest, look at where the Big Ten a lot of, is located, and it's a lot of those cities and states and areas that are honestly still have not truly opened up all that much, and a lot it's, um, you know, they're having trouble getting a lot of stuff open, so, I mean, it's not really a shock that it was going to be that, it to me, that that is one of the areas that is the first to, uh, True. You know, I mean, think about the, the states it encompasses. You've got Michigan, which has been uh, obviously a state that's been very slow to open. Illinois as well. Pennsylvania, like Pennsylvania, all the-, the New York, New Jersey area with Rutgers. I mean, you ha- so you have some of the, the larger urban areas that have been hit pretty hard, and where a lot of the states where governors sent 
elderly people with coronavirus back into nursing homes, which is exacerbated the situation, but whatever, we're not going to get into that right now. But yeah, so I, I think that's something to look at here because obviously the different regions of the country have taken different approaches to this. And, you know, the South is under fire right now for maybe opening too early or whatever, you know, narrative people want to throw out there with, with, with surges and case, and case numbers and all that kind of thing. But still, if you look at the numbers overall, the you're right. The Big Ten states have had far more deaths than the states in in the South. I know our cases are spiking right now, so I, I, that's a, that's an interesting way to look at it. You know, I really I've really been kind of like racking my brain on this. Like, why make the decision now? And there's a couple of things that come to mind. Like maybe like okay, so if they were leaning towards going conference only, and they felt like they felt strongly about like this is the direction we're going, this is what we're going to do. So why don't we just announce it now? Because think about it, you, there's a good chance you're probably going to have to redo the schedule in some capacity, and that's not something that happens overnight. That's There's a lot of moving parts there, so maybe they, they want to have the time to do that so they get the schedule out to their to their programs as quickly as they possibly can so they can get more time to try to put this together. Because what I've heard – have you heard they're going to a 10-game conference-only schedule, or is that what you're hearing? Um, That's the rumor. That's the one – I mean – uh, you really haven't heard much other than that they're going conference only. Yeah, I, I've definitely seen all over the place they're going conference only. I can't remember where I read it, but uh, one of the reporters out there was saying they're, they're, that they're looking at a 10-game conference schedule, which if that's the case, that means each team's going to add an additional conference game because they, they all play nine conference games right now in the Big Ten. So you gotta you got to get rid of all the non-con games. you got to figure out where these conference games are going are gonna to slide in. Where is that extra game going to go in? Who is the extra team going to be? Who are you playing? So these teams, if, if that's the direction they're going in, they need to know that as soon as possible, you would like to think. So maybe that's part of it. I think another part of it might be, like, let's say they're looking ahead. If you get into the season and then there's a, a program that has, let's say, a breakout of some sort midway through the, through the season and they, and they just can't play that week, there's more flexibility within the conference if you're only playing conference teams. It's easier to cancel that game for that week or postpone and move it to another week. If you're only playing conference games, there's not as many moving parts when it's the conference only having to deal with, you don't have to deal with another entity, another conference that might have their own uh, requirements, might have their own needs and might not be able to fit it in with their schedule. So I think those things to me right now, I'll think more about this, but I guess that's kind of where my head is right now. Like why they made, made this decision now and not wait until the early part of August, which I, I know has been what the SEC has been trying to do. I know Greg McGarity came out. I want to say it was either earlier today or yesterday in an interview in the AJC. It was talking about like we got we had to make a decision probably by the first week of August. And I think that made sense because that's when fall camp is going to open up pretty much everywhere around the country. So, yeah, I think that's probably what they were looking at. Um, but for me, another thing I want to throw out here before we move on in terms of like my initial reaction to this at first, I was kind of taken aback, like, whoa, why now, as we were just talking about. But here's another thought that ran through my head. And Kurt, I'm kind of curious to get your take on this. Maybe I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of an optimist, optimist by nature when it comes to this kind of stuff. I, I like to hold on to hope as much as I possibly can until I absolutely have no reason to hold on to it anymore. And we're getting closer to that point, but I'm still holding on. So maybe that part of me was like, okay, well, maybe this isn't terrible news. Obviously, it's going to be different, but we all knew it was going to be different regardless of how things turned out. But maybe this could possibly be good news. that If they're announcing this now, does in some way, Kirk, could this be construed as the Big Ten saying, like, we, we're going to have a season? They haven't come out and said that completely. I think the, their commissioner said today something along the lines of, you know, if, if we're going to be watching the the case numbers and all that kind of stuff, and we'll be guided by the local, state, and health 
our local, state, and federal health department people. And if they decide that it's not in the best interest of our players, we'll back off and we won't play. Okay, whatever. But on some level, does this give you maybe a little bit of confidence that if they're making this decision now that they're going to try to move ahead with a 2020 season in the fall? Um, Honestly, no. To me, I think it, in my opinion, is starting to lay the groundwork for just not having a season in general. Um, You're already starting to try to – uh moves games and schedules around and things like that so i mean it really doesn't give me any optimism you can look at it that way and that, you're, you're certainly you're probably right there i just my initial reaction when i saw that was like okay they're making this because i was again i was trying to figure out why you're making this decision now and it's me a one thought that crossed my mind was maybe this means that you know they've come to the conclusion that if they do this if they only if they go conference only that, that they can get the season in in some I mean, way they could say that but to me i just think it's asinine to I just I don't think that if that's their thought logic, then that makes any sense because, you know, we'll get into it later. But some of these non-conference games you're scheduling are literally in-state games. So you're saying it's more important to play and, you know, to stay in your conference and everything and play games like that. But how does it make sense if you're still traveling 500 miles or something like that where you could be just going down the street? Absolutely. Like, yeah, if you're Rutgers and, or let's say you're uh, Northwestern, Clemson you're playing Rutgers. South Carolina. I mean, that yeah. right there. Instead, you're canceling that game. And Clemson will travel down to Florida, travel to Kentucky to play Louisville or and some of those other states like that. But that, I mean, how does that make sense when you're literally leaving your state? And I think, and that's a, that's a question I was asking myself too. And I was trying to figure out like, why is the Big Ten, the Big Ten doing this and why are they doing it now? That's certainly something I was trying to reconcile. Like, like, you're right. It doesn't make sense. Like, you're giving up. So like, if you're Michigan, you're giving up a game against Eastern Michigan, for instance, maybe. Why would you do that when it's an in-state program? How is it any more of a risk to play them? And I guess that's why I come back to, like, if, I guess if you're playing only conference games, then it's just easier to move games. You have more flexibility when you're only dealing with your conference. That's the only thing I can think of right now. And maybe there's a better answer. I just, I've only had about an hour to think through all this. It's, my mind's kind of all over the place with this, so I'll keep thinking on that. But you make a great point, Kurt. You make a great point. My only answer to that would be possibly like they just want to have more flexibility by only dealing with their conference. But you mentioned – Even if you think five, about the opening games, like a lot of these uh, – Georgia versus Virginia, a lot of these that are in neutral sites. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not like you have a problem making a schedule for week one. Yeah, no, you're you're exactly right about that. In in a lot of ways, it doesn't make a ton of sense. It really doesn't, at least in terms of making this decision right now. I'm just trying to get inside the head of the decision makers there in the Big Ten on why they're. Well, doing let's be it. honest. Nothing that the Big Ten does, decision making wise, has ever made sense. I feel like they've had some poor leadership, to be honest. I feel like for the past five months, that's just been on on a loop. Like decision makers everywhere in this country, it's just been like, oh my god, what? Like, I what, mean, it, what it, let's be honest. I don't expect anything from the Pac-12 because Larry Scott is. Uh, the uh, one of the piss poorest examples oh, yeah. of a commissioner around. So, I mean, well, they're talking about them like, trying to buy him out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so when you have leadership like that, uh, it doesn't really give you any encouragement, especially, I mean, with them canceling like Stanford dropping sports and stuff. I mean, I have no faith in the Pac 12 to even Not be whatsoever. anything you want to fall. Even if they made a decision now, I don't think they're someone you want to follow in their footsteps. And I mean, I, th- I think it was Nicole Auerbach, yeah, saying that the Pac, she from the Athletics, she expects again the Pac-12 to go conference-only scheduling at some point in the coming days. And that an official announcement has not been made, but Nicole Auerbach, she's pretty credible when it comes to this kind of stuff, and she's reporting that the expectation is in the coming days the Pac-12 is going to go in that same direction. And, and we'll move. We'll talk more about the the Power Five programs here in just a second. But you mentioned the Group of Five programs there for a second, Kirsten. Those in-state programs from the Big Even Ten. Even think country. about Notre Dame, someone who literally yeah. is not in the conference 
I, I think what's going to have to happen there is there are the there's, ACC's going to have to help them out. But then yeah. again, yeah. Th- but you're helping them out. But then again, what about the other schools that are now could potentially have to cancel their football program? But you yeah. won't help them out. And, and that's and that's my next question. Is these group of five programs? And I know we're this is a Georgia podcast. Most of you don't really care all that much about about group of five programs, but they still are part of the fabric of college football. So, Kurt, what happens to these group of five programs? Like, so the Big Ten is the only conference right now to date that's made this announcement. But, let, but let's say this catches on, and by next week, every Power Five conference is doing the same thing. What happens to all these group of five programs and conferences? They're going down. I mean, look, Furman, when this whole thing started, I mean, I thought it was a little earlier than they did it, but they got rid of baseball and sports like that and yeah. to cut costs. So you're already getting rid of baseball and things. So what happens when you really can't schedule those the big people that were, that were going to pay you money that are a big portion of your athletic budget? What are yeah, you going to do? Both these buy games, I mean, those programs? Yeah, they get their buds off of that. That's their livelihood to play those big games. Absolutely. They, they live off of that. Now, there are some like there are there are haves and have nots within the group of five. You know, there are some programs, you know, Boise State, UCF, some of those programs that, that have a little bit more and a little bit on more stable ground. I would say Cincinnati's although Cincinnati's already had a custom sports as well. Uh, but I would have thought that they were one of those programs. Memphis, you would think, is one of those programs. But so there are haves and have nots within the group of five. But I would say the vast majority of the group of five programs, I'm not sure they can survive one season where they're not getting those buy those buy game checks right no and buy, some of these buy, buy ones game, that I mean, are just canceling fall sports let's be honest fall sports for a majority of schools are the ones that bring in the money yeah and, I, and again i know most of you are thinking like who cares it's group of five programs like they don't matter i get that thinking but here's but where that's still, i mean at. that's still kids livelihoods i mean i Absolutely. hate to say it i mean you know that's how some of these kids only get to go to college i mean yeah they all right yeah. so you're not good enough to play for the d1s or you know the big power five teams Okay, but you can still go get a pretty decent education while still yep. playing the sport you love. You got opportunities that you otherwise would not have access to. I got this is one of the reasons, uh, as a guy who works with young people for a living, uh, I am heartbroken at even the remote possibility that there's not going to be high school football or high school sports in the fall because you are taking not only like not only like the sentimental value of like okay these kids have worked their entire lives to get to this point their senior year of football and and if you played football. You know what I'm talking about, especially those of you who did not play beyond high school, like myself. That is that was everything to me growing up. That was what I that was what I, I built my life around growing up as a young guy in the state of Georgia. It's, it's a big deal, and you don't get to experience that your senior year. And, and most of the guys will never strap it on ever again. And beyond that, you're taking you have a bunch of kids. I work with kids who one of their only chances to to go. I'm not saying they can't get to college otherwise, but athletics football basketball is their best opportunity to get the highest level of a degree they possibly can and the idea that they're not going to be able to do that potentially because of of the decisions that are being made around coronavirus is heartbreaking to me i'm having trouble like coming to terms with that and i hope that doesn't end up happening but you're starting to see it in, in parts of the country i saw someone like well, i think it was the state superintendent or the the city superintendent of dallas right so they and, might not but have- also what you're going to see too is a lot of people moving now to go to a place that may say, Hey, we're going to play sports. So yeah, then I mean, it's, it's going to happen. I just, I just don't, I mean, I just don't believe any of the non-power five schools. A lot of them will not survive acad- ac- athletically wise. And, yeah. and in the long run, I think that's going to hurt the colleges themselves because some colleges, while you may think you're good academically wise and things like that, 
you still get a lot. Uh, you're still able to attract students because you say, oh, hey, we have sports. Um, you know, that brings yep. some attention to your program. Do you think anyone really outside of Idaho knew about Boise State University? Oh, no, of course not. I know a lot of you like all of us who follow recruiting. Like you're like, well, you know, they start recruiting these guys when they're freshmen, sophomores. Yeah, if you're one of the top recruits in the country, but if you're one or, of those guys, yeah, that, or like some of these, some like some of these kids, like this is their year to jump in the rankings too. Maybe hey, to get a really good offer. I mean, think yeah, of some I, of these kids I, we I, signed lately, like, like Austin Blasky. Um, you know, yeah. some of these kids that you signed closer signing day, we wouldn't have signed them if they did, hadn't had a senior year of football. Yeah. And he probably would have gone to play somewhere, but not at Georgia, right? You're not getting that opportunity to go to a bigger university with that, with a degree that has more behind it. I mean, let's be honest. It just does. I'm not saying you can't be successful with degrees from other schools, like from a group of five school, but a degree from the University of Georgia speaks volumes. And you and still get to go for free to the University of Georgia. Absolutely. I mean, the experience is just night and day. It's just different. And and again, like a lot of these kids, most kids who get college scholarships don't go to the big schools, right? Like I, I've had – I know kids that have gone like to uh, the University of the South, like Swanee. Uh, Liberty, Lenore Ryan. Presbyterian. I mean, from the area we're from, a lot of people went there uh, for college. And that's a pretty good school that most of them would not have been able to afford to go to if it hadn't been for – Yes. full ride yes and like you get and the, most of these kids like they go to schools like that a lot of them don't get on the radar until their senior year because a lot of them don't even start till the senior year they don't they, they take on a bigger role their senior year uh i know a bunch of kids that are in that situation right now going in to uh going into the 2020 high school football season and so it's just like that's something that's on my mind and people don't i don't think enough people think about those kind of things like there there's just so much fallout i think it's gonna have long-term ramifications for the education of america in general you could absolutely extend it to that. Absolutely, hundred percent, you could. Um, it just made us heartbreaking. And that's it, not just. And that's. And I mean, that's not to mention the ramifications you'll have on college sports. But I mean, you have to look at just the overall factor. What's like going to happen? Yeah, I mean, and, and look, obviously, people's health is incredibly important, no doubt. But like, I yeah. get so tired of all of these people. Like that. That sh- if you raise a question about the coronavirus, it's that the sh- they shame you. Like, oh my God, you don't care about people's lives. You want people to die? It's like, no, I'm actually thinking about other people's lives beyond the people who are getting coronavirus. There's so much fallout, especially people when you're thinking of the it. people that are going to be affected by all this. Are the age group that's not at a high rate of really even being in danger of dying from the virus itself? Yep, absolutely. There's no doubt. So. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I don't know, man. It, it, but bringing this back to to Georgia, okay? So talking about group of five programs, you might be thinking, why does that matter? Well, here's how it matters. I'm curious, Kurt, if a lot of these group of five programs, I'm not, and I'm not sure they're all going to go under. I'm not sure if anyone beyond the Big Ten is going to go conference only, right? It looks like that's a pot, that's a strong possibility right now, but we don't know that for sure. But let's just say it does happen because it's certainly a possibility. What and if, and if that happens, and these group of five programs don't get the buy the, the checks for these games where they just come you know, show up to get murdered, basically, get a million dollars and then just go cash out in the bank. Uh, well, what happens if those teams go under, those programs go under, how could that potentially impact Power 5 programs and these traditional cupcake games that they've had 
moving forward? Um, it's not, they're not going to happen anymore. Let's be honest. I think you would have, I mean, I'm not saying like uh, some people say it's a good thing. Yeah. Like that's a good thing for wanting to see better games. Yes. Yes. Uh, but like we've mentioned, you know, those cupcake games happen for a reason. Um, but realistically, like we're saying, what's going to happen is there won't be those anymore. So you'll have a game, a comfort or a schedule that's pretty dang good when there's not as many powder puff teams to play, or you could see teams having to schedule more powder puffs to try to keep them going in the coming years and staying away from playing other power five teams to try to basically subsidize their programs yeah, to not to not even play any power five teams in your conference schedule or non-conference but only playing non-power five to try to help give out as much money as you can to help them right to try to make those programs whole again yeah so it can yeah. either go good or you could be stuck playing no you know no big no games big time we already have the contracts to play but outside of that you could say that well that's all that we'll have now yeah, it's really – you're right. It could go either way. And, like, I've gone on record saying as a season ticket holder who pays a lot of money to go to these games, I have been on record saying I would like to see more big-time Power 5 versus Power 5 matchups and, and kind of get away from these, like – especially the FCS. Like, Group of Five is oh, uh, it's one thing. Like, FCS games, like, oh, we just – I've always felt like we just don't need those anymore. Uh, but there is a human factor to that, and, I, and I've always recognized that. So I've always kind of been torn. Like, I, I pay money. I don't like paying for those – like, full freight for those games – because like they're not competitive, it's not really all yeah, that like interesting. Yeah, you even you even see it like when you're getting your student tickets now, uh, yeah. it's more for the good games. Yeah, it's and yeah, and they they have gone to a tiered system and how much like now it used to be every every ticket was the, was a flat cost for years it was like forty forty five dollars and now it's they they basically done it in tiers. The Notre Dame game was I believe was the most expensive ticket in the package last year. Um, so they and, and we kind of followed what other programs have been doing around the country, but we've we've gone to that model now. Uh, but still, like you know, I have a trouble. You know, I've always kind of been like frustrated the fact that I have to pay for those games when I don't really care all that much. But I always go because it's Georgia football. And you only get so many of them every year, so you got to go, right? But I've been frustrated by that. But but there is a human factor if, you, if these teams don't get the money from us from power five programs, then it's going to be tough to fund their programs, which means kids lose out on opportunities for scholarships. And, and I've, so I've always been sympathetic to that as well. So it's always been tough for me, but not, I, I think there's a strong possibility that you are going to see fewer group of five programs survive. And if that happens, I think you're going to see fewer of those cupcake games on the schedule in the future. And in some ways, I think that's, that's positive for the season ticket holder maybe, but in some ways I feel kind of selfish saying that because you, you do have, the impact on the kids who would who would have those scholarships otherwise. So it's 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 a tough situation, man. Uh, but right, let's move on here. Another question I have for you, Kurt. How does this impact other Power Five conferences? So right now, again, it's only the Big Ten who's gone conference only officially. But how does their decision impact other Power Five conferences that had games scheduled with the Big Ten? So you had like like Oregon. Oregon was going to play Ohio State. Michigan was going to play Washington. Iowa, Iowa State. Michigan State, Miami. Penn State, Virginia Tech. Wisconsin, Notre Dame. Michigan State, BYU. Maryland, West Virginia, the list goes on and on. So how does the Big Ten's decision to not play those games impact those other conferences? I think it had have a great impact. Think about last year. If uh, Oregon had beat Auburn, even though they lost Utah and Arizona State, they still may, they could have had a chance of making the playoffs. Uh, think about a couple years ago when we went to Notre Dame and beat them. Even Yeah, uh, it really helped us when we beat Auburn in the SC Championship game. But even then, most of the year, we never would have been in the position we were in if we hadn't beaten Notre Dame in that non-conference schedule. Um, so a lot of the time, it can be a make or break for you uh, making a playoff game. I, I agree with that, absolutely. Do you think this has any? this will have any impact on 
forcing other conferences to follow the Big Ten's lead and go conference only since they don't have those games in the Big Ten anymore? It very well could, yes. Um, yeah, that's Maybe they could find someone to replace it. I mean, I don't really think it affects the SEC as much this year because I don't know if many teams have – Big Ten teams. What's well, the schedule. fallout? It's it's like if if the if the if the Big Ten has games that they cancel with the Pac-12, then the Pac-12, if they decide by virtue by by extension to go conference only, then that's going to have a trickle down effect on like let's say a game they might have with the Big Twelve, and if the S and so the Big Twelve might have to go conference only, and if the SEC has some like I know Ole Miss is playing Baylor for instance, then it could have a trickle down effect on teams in the SEC. So it's not a direct impact, but I think it could potentially trickle down to other conferences. And that's something I, I think there's a chance that this could like this could be the domino that falls that causes all the other conferences. They're all interconnected. I mean, they all have a degree of independence, but they're all interconnected. And this could be the first domino that falls that knocks all the other dominoes down and causes the other conferences to, by extension, go to their own conference only schedules. And it's not it, it, it doesn't have to be that way, but I think it's certainly a possibility. Because like what you could see is okay, okay, so let's say um, I don't know. Uh, Oregon was supposed to play Ohio State week one, right? Well, maybe Oregon uh, – it's tough because, like, you could say, well, Ohio State's canceling their non-conference games with, with maybe some group of five programs. But those group of five programs probably already have a game scheduled for week one because they weren't playing Ohio State in week one. You know, I'm, you get what I'm saying there? Yeah. So it's hard I, to just say Oregon's going to pick up who Ohio uh, – the other non-con teams on Ohio State schedule who they were supposed to play but they're not playing now because you got to match up week by week on the schedule, and that's easier said than done. So I don't know. I think there's 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 just so much complexity to that. There's, I think there's going to be some fallout, and I think the SEC could like even though that we might not, maybe we don't want to as a conference to do this. Like maybe it's a, it's, I wouldn't say last resort. I think playing in the spring is last resort, but we might be forced in that situation just based on the trickle down effects of this decision by the Big Ten. Again, like I said, it doesn't have to be that way, but I think I wouldn't rule it out as a possibility. All right, so let's get in the SEC, Kurt. Let's get in the SEC here. Let me just ask you simply. What is the likelihood right now of the SEC following this model, this conference-only model? Uh, I think it's very high. Um, you've seen the ACC is about to take it, and if they take it, then it's just – I mean, everyone's going to follow. I, I – I, yes, I, that's what I'm talking about. It's, it's just going to be mean, one – I mean, and here's the thing, too. I don't think other conferences have the gonads to say we're not doing it. Do you think this Big Ten decision caught other conferences by surprise? Probably not. I mean, they know who the Big Ten is, um, and they probably. I think more than anything, it'll probably be anger with the Big Ten. I think that you could see uh, other commissioners for the next couple of years having some, especially when it comes to college football playoff or other things. That there's going to be some animosity towards the Big Ten and the fact that they're. All, I mean, it feels like they're kind of forcing everyone. I mean, maybe this would have been the ultimate decision, but you're forcing everyone's hand by making it at this point in time. I think. I mean, I've, look these. It's been well documented. These conference commissioners from the various Power Five conferences have been in communication consistently through this entire pandemic time period. They've been in communication with each other. They've been on conference calls, Zoom, whatever you, whatever they're on. That's been happening. So you know they've discussed these possibilities. I find it very hard to believe. I think it to be naive to think that the SEC or the ACC or Pac-12, Big Big Twelve would be completely taken aback and surprised by the bait to make a decision. Like, I, I, I have a hard time believing they didn't see this as a, a, a possibility in some sh- shape or form. What I think, and this is, again, this, this is purely speculation on my part. With the Big Ten coming out this early, and the other conferences when they're asked, like the SEC basically said, we don't have a comment when they were, when they were asked about it, the SEC office was asked about it. The, big, the ACC said, like, we're not, there's no 
decision pending right now, but they might just be buying time. I think there's a good possibility what might have happened was these conference commissioners were in discussions about all this, and the other conference commissioners outside the Big Ten weren't ready to take this step yet. So the Big Ten kind of just said, all right, we'll see you guys. We, we're doing this. Screw you, and we're going to make our own decision. And they announced this early as a way to potentially try to force the hand of the other conferences. Is that, like, completely out of bounds? No, I think that's what I was saying. That's why I think there's going to be a lot of repercussions for the Big Ten yeah. future. Yeah, I, I would. Because I mean, it, like, they can, if yeah. they're all banded against them, the Big Ten's already had trouble getting into the college football playoffs and other mm-hmm. things, especially when a lot of the, the people that pick the college football playoff teams are athletic directors. Well, if yep. they have animosity towards the Big Ten – there's not going to be a lot of. And they can uh, try to say they're unbiased, but I don't. I'm sorry, I don't like. No. you're human. You're biased. It's exactly. some people are less so, biased uh, than others. But there's going to be some repercussions against them, like you said. I don't think that it was without other people's knowledge. It just may have been the timing. Yeah, I think the Big Ten was like I could see a scenario where they were trying to sell the other commerce commissioners on this concept, and the other commerce commissioners were like, "Well, you know, we want to hold off until to the last second. Like, let's hold off until early August when we have fall camp." And we'll see what the situation is like then. And the Big Ten was trying to sell their point, and they couldn't get everyone else on board, so they just went ahead and – not even – this is bigger than leaked it to the media. They just went out and made their own announcement. And in a way, I think this is tr- their way of potentially trying to force the other conferences into this. And I, I and look, I don't I, I don't know. Maybe they, maybe they had no intention of forcing other conferences. Maybe they're just trying to look out for their own and, and what's in their best interest. Maybe that's the case. Maybe I'm trying to No, no one does way. that nowadays. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. We've got to be cynical about some of these things. But, yeah, I think there's – at this point, again, with the trickle-down effect of this, I think there's a pretty strong likelihood. I would say it's – would you say it's greater than 50% that the SEC follows? I, like well? I said, I don't think there's any chance we don't do it. I think yeah. that everyone's now has to do it. I mean, I think that's well, just the fact of – where we're at now okay okay and i don't necessarily disagree with that let me ask you this though and you and i were talking about this a little bit earlier when we were texting back and forth when this first came out what do you do if that's the case if you're the sec do you just blow up the in-state rivalries uh the, the in-state non-conference rivalries the georgia georgia tech florida florida state South see, i think that's a big thing you don't really see that as much in the big 10 there's not right. many big 10 big rivalries right. outside of the conference right it's actually it's very unique to the sec and the acc because all the, the – because look, there's a lot of, like, geographical – I mean, even think about the Pac-12. All you got is Oregon, Oregon State, um, a lot mm-hmm. of things like that. But, that but, but, those, are, but, but those are conference games. I, like, the, this whole well, no, that, that's what I'm saying. Even in the yeah. Big 12, you have Texas and Oklahoma. But there, you don't th- – those schools don't have the big rivalries out of state. And the, and the thing is, those rivalries are in-state, like I was mentioning earlier, like where you're only traveling – Georgia Tech would travel 70 miles to play us. Yep. But instead, we'll – happily travel over 700 miles to still go play Missouri. Yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense. That makes no absolutely zero sense. Yeah. Yeah, I and mean, honestly the only the only example of another in-state non-conference rivalry that I can think of in all of college football off the top of my head is Iowa Iowa State. That's the only one I can think of. That's an two in-state teams that play in separate conferences and they play on an annual basis. Oh yeah, you for and that's and you literally forget that they're from different conferences. Yeah, you do. But the the SEC and ACC there's there's geographical crossover there and there's there's at least there's four games right there. So and those are like those are important. Like Kentucky man. and Louisville. Kentucky, Louisville, Florida, Florida State, South Carolina, Clemson, Georgia, Georgia Tech. Those are important games. I know Tech sucks. They suck. But it's an important game. I love being Tech more than just about anything. I really do. 
Uh, like these games matter. And I know like you say, oh, it's just one year. Can we like not find a way to make that happen? Like, is there a way, Kurt, where the SEC can find some flexibility to allow like George and Georgia Tech to find a way to play this year? Yeah, the commis- the commissioners have to have little gonads. Here's here's what I would I would just throw out there. And like I'm not involved in this, obviously, but it, hey, just spitballing here. Is there a way that the SEC and the ACC, instead of just going conference, each of each conference going conference only, is there a way they put together some sort of regional based schedule this year where ACC and SEC teams are playing each other? Um, if they were smart, they would, especially when you see how baseball did it, where the AL East and NL East will play each other, but that's but they don't travel outside of that. Yep, and that was kind of the impetus for for this thought. Um, because like it, it, you cut down on travel that way, you take care of the in-state non-conference rivalries. You, you can still play those. The the SEC, like you could still play like the Georgia. We can still play our our eight conference games that we have scheduled, but you throw in two ACC games, right? Like let's be honest, literally no one on our schedule this year is outside of our region. Yeah, I mean, like, why, why can't like seriously? Why can't we do this? Why hell, we could even keep Virginia that way, right? We, That's what I'm we, saying. There's literally no one that you're, well, except for Missouri, that you're really traveling right. that far to play. But if even if it was only a ten game schedule, right? Then we could have our eight game conference schedule, keep Virginia, and throw in Georgia Tech, right? Or if it's twelve games, okay, eight game conference schedule, or you can do nine game conference schedule. That's fine. Plus, you get three ACC teams. All right? I think there's a. I think to me, that's interesting. And I think yeah, that what would if you went and played Florida State this year? Yeah, I, I mean, it, I think that would be really, really interesting. I think it would be good for college football. Um, I'm not saying it would save college football, but it's certainly something that would add more interest to it than if, if teams were only playing conferences or conference-only games, which is still fine. But I think a little, a little bit of entry, maybe have some some crossover matchups that you don't traditionally get to see. So I don't know. That's just an idea, one way to potentially save those in-state non-conference rivalries because I think that should be a priority for the SEC. That's important to me. Um, but anyway, and, and honestly, like, uh, who, like, I am completely just making things up now, but like the ACC could have made this announcement because it was rumored they were going to make this announcement on the heels of the, of the Big Ten, but they didn't. They, did, they are del- at least delaying for now. So why did the ACC delay, Kirk? Could they possibly be trying to figure look at different options like, like a regional matchup with the a- SEC? Wouldn't shock me. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, just, again, just throwing ideas out there. Um, all right, let's move on. Let's talk about a little bit more about Georgia specifically because I'm curious what your take on this. Does this idea, uh, now that we're going uh, – conferences are talking about conference-only games and the coronavirus stuff is very real, obviously, as we're getting – especially as we're getting closer and closer to the season and, and fall camp potentially or scheduled to kick off. Could all this potentially have an impact of some sort on the cocktail party this year in Jacksonville? Um. No. The only reason I think it doesn't is the neutral site may save it. Well, here's my thing, and I, I'm not saying it's a decision that Georgia and Florida would make on our own. I'm looking at what – I'm looking at Jacksonville because Jacksonville gives both teams a very nice financial package to give us incentive to play this game and keep it in Jacksonville every year. But the basis of them offering that financial package to us – is that they are going to that they reap commensurate financial benefits of their own with all the fans coming in and pouring money into Jacksonville. Well, there's a strong likelihood there's not going to be fans in that in these stadiums, and if there are, not not many. So, is there a situation where Jacksonville goes to both programs? Is like, hey, you know what? Like we're like with the situation right now, we know a lot, not many fans are going to be coming to this game if they're even allowed to come to this game. So we're going to be giving you money right now, but we're not getting anything back in return for it. Could you see a situation where Jacksonville does something like that? Yeah, it wouldn't shock me. 
I mean, there's a contract. I get it. I mean, is there a force majeure uh, element within the contract? Is it, you, you well, and that's that? the one thing, you know, in school this past semester, that's one of the biggest things that people were talking about is this whole next year, there's going to be a lot of disputes where contracts are going to have to be reassessed. Yeah. And I would love to look, I would love to take a look at that Jacksonville, Florida, Georgia contract. Cause if, if there's a force majeure in there, like they were, are, they would be complete within their rights to be like, yeah, we're just not going to do it this year. And I'm sure we would fight that if, I mean, we probably tried to, or we, we could, but I don't, I don't know if we, if there's some force majeure element in that contract, I don't, I don't know if you fight it. And I don't know if you can win that. So I don't know that I'm, this, this is just an idea. This is something I thought about when all this came up and like, so like, let's say, let, look at, let's just, for the purposes of this conversation, let's say that we don't, we're not able to play it in Jacksonville this year. Maybe the two programs decide not to play Jacksonville steps in, whatever it is. So how does that work? Like, do we play them at home? Cause we are technically the designated home team this year. So is the game played in Athens? Do we then have to make a how return? It should be the- done, but Florida finds a way to somehow like- work things always in their favor. A la LSU. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. But like, so if they come here to Athens this year, does that mean we have to make a return trip to Gainesville next year? And, and if yeah, so, if you like, just, then do you lose two years of Jackson, just Jacksonville, is Jacksonville willing yeah. to forfeit next year when you had, could have the potential to get all that profit back? Yeah, I, totally. And, like, and how fair would it be if we had to go there next year because they play here this year because we're the designated home team? And how fair it would be if they get get us when, they, when they're allowed to have a full stadium while we get them with possibly no fans? Like, how, how is that fair? Yeah, that's also true too. Oh, yeah. So I, I, I don't know. Like, and, and maybe we just play in Jacksonville, and, it, and it's not a problem. Maybe, and, and that maybe you go to the like, dome. I don't know. Yeah, I just, I just honestly don't know. Like everything, like everything is just, it's so fluid right now. But I've certainly thought about, like, just in general, these non-conference neutral site games. Like, because like the, the part, like the the two teams don't really have full control over the environment in that game. So, and like both teams have to travel there. So instead of one team traveling and potentially being at more at risk to Trent to getting coronavirus. You have two teams that are now at risk of doing that. So I don't know. Like it's just certainly something that I've been thinking about. And this brought that up to my mind again, this whole big 10 announcement, but um, all right. Another thing here I'm, I'm curious about Curtis. So if we're going conference only, how does this potentially affect the college football playoff? Like how do you, how, do, how does the committee, if there is going to be a college football playoff this year, how do they try to distinguish between the conferences, like the teams that are, that are in these uh, these different conferences obviously not every conference is created equally like what i don't i don't well you're definitely not going to see two teams from the same conference potentially get in i think that's yeah that's i i would probably go in that direction right now but then again i think the pac-12 is extremely weak across the board and that's why some of those teams like let's be honest if clemson wasn't clemson and you just took them because like this was the, their first year being good, and you looked at how bad the ACC could potentially be. Would they really jump jump teams? I don't think so. And I know it's popular for, for some people just to say, well, let's just go to the conference champs only in, in the cultural playoff. Well, there, guys, there's five power five conferences. There's four spots in the playoffs. You can't really do that unless you want to go – like they just rank at the, end of the, at the end of the season when they play all the conference championship games, just have the, the cultural playoff committee rank – those five teams, one through five, and the top four get in. I guess you could do that, but like I, I, I'm not, I'm not sure the college playoff is immune to all this. Like if every conference goes to conference only schedules, like it's going to be very difficult to gauge the relative strength of the different conferences because they're only playing each other, and you'd have to base it off what your perception of the strength of those conferences are based on years past. And I don't know how fair that is. Like then we all know the Pac-12 has been traditionally much weaker than the other conferences. 
But what if the Pac-12 was really up this year, you know? And and so they don't get credit for that because the cultural playoff committee is only basing off their perception of what the Pac-12 was the past decade or so. So I don't know. I don't know. I think there's there's some questions there. I'm very curious if if all these conferences go to college go to conference only schedules, how does that affect the postseason? Do you just have bowl season like we used to? Is there going to be a national champ? Like do you just crown conference champs and just call it a day? I don't know, man. I hope that's not the case because I mean, I'll take any college football I can get. I will. I will say that. But hey, man, I think we got a shot to win the whole thing this year. It's one of the reasons I'm so I'm so depressed about this. I think we might have the best team we've had under Kirby Smart, and that's uh that's upsetting. That's upsetting. But all right, Kirby, I'm about to get you out of here, man. Last question for you. We've talked about this before, and obviously this has been very fluid, this whole situation, especially with the recent surge in cases in the southeast and really different parts of the country as well. Where does your confidence level stand now that we're going to have a college football season? You and I, you and I both, Miss Dart, have been pretty confident there wasn't going to be a college football season. Are you starting to change your tune a little bit at this point? Maybe I'm at a six, five or six, somewhere in there. A ten? Yeah, that's probably my you best. 50-ish? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was about a nine out of 10 about a month, month and a half ago. And, uh, and you can call it, you can, you guys can criticize us for that. That's fine. We might deserve that. But like we were basing off the data that we had at that time and things were looking a lot better. Now, obviously the, the case numbers have started to really surge in different parts of the country, which doesn't necessarily freak me out. What I think matters more is deaths. And we're down about 90% in deaths from late April, but the people who make decisions don't really care about that. They just get, like to get freaked out when we see a lot of cases go up. So, um, yeah, just this is purely based on the way decision makers and just the general population are reacting to this. I have a lot less confidence than I did about a month ago. So I, I, I don't know, man. Maybe 50-50 at best at this point. We'll see. And time is running out. You know, when we were back in like, you know, May, we're like, oh, we got plenty of time, got months and months, and things are already looking better. So, you know, two, three months is going to be even better. And that hasn't really transpired that way. So I don't know. It's frustrating when you really actually look at the data independently and you see that we have basically quarantined the entire population of the United States for a virus that has more or less a negligible impact on college age people who are the people who would be playing college sports this this fall and and, i mean look you got people who are zero to 24 years of age account for two percent of all coronavirus hospitalizations right now people zero to 34 account for approximately one percent of all coronavirus deaths people 65 and older account for about 85 percent of the deaths related to coronavirus so it's very clear to look at the data that this is two or three different types of viruses depending on the demographics what your age is what your Pre-existing conditions might or might not be, uh, and just making this kind of one-size-fits-all response just doesn't, to me at least, seem to make a lot of sense. But I'm not one of those people that is in a decision-making position, and I just, based off what I've seen so far, don't have a lot of confidence in those decision makers, those power brokers, to make nuanced and intelligent public policy decisions based on the data as it actually exists. So, yeah, my confidence is dwindling. There's no doubt there. I think, again, 50-50 at best at this point, which is very depressing for me to say. But, unfortunately, I just kind of think that's where we are at this point. I personally have braced myself for there being no college football. I'm still coming to terms with that, at least for this season. I'm hoping that I'm wrong. And, um, 
there's some way they can get something in. I, I think there's a way to get it done. I just, again, I'm just not sure that the decision makers actually see it that way. And it's kind of out of our hands. So let's just hope things start to trend in a more positive direction over the next couple of weeks. I think the rest of this month is a huge month for college football because if we don't have college football this year, at least in the fall, I, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know what the future holds. I'm not saying college football is not going to disappear. I'm not trying to be alarmist or anything. But look, I mean, if, if there's no college football this fall and the NFL does find a way to play, you know they're going to step on step into Saturdays and, and try to take over Saturday and play some games Saturday, play some Sunday. And if that works out well for them, I don't know if they would ever really relinquish Saturdays again. Well, what does that mean for college football? And this A sport that was growing so much in popularity over the past decade when you had this exclusive window on Saturdays away from the NFL, and if the NFL finds that's in their best interest to play on Saturdays moving forward, if they experiment with it, with it this year, that could be pretty tough for college football to deal with. So I don't know, man. It's tough, and there's a lot of programs that are not going to survive financially. There's a lot of programs that have to just flat out cut other sports, and uh, I'm just concerned. I'm just concerned about the future of college sports. We, we've gone over that many, many times. I don't want to bore you with that again. So yeah, I am. Not just football, but just college sports in general. We're already seeing major programs. Stanford cutting 11 of their Olympic sports It's over this past week. So it's just, it's a tough time. And uh, I hope to God, just for the future of college athletics in general, that we find a way to play college football. Selfishly, I want it because I just, I live for this stuff. But it's bigger than just me. I mean, when you cut sports, you're talking about cutting opportunities for kids who, who need those opportunities, who might not get a chance to go to college otherwise without that scholarship. So I think there's just there's a lot of things you think about beyond just the health impacts. Obviously, that has to be a priority and probably the number one priority. But you also have to look at the data and consider the impact it's having society-wide and in so many different ways. So, yeah, I don't know. I just don't know if that's happening consistently enough among the decision makers. So, yep, again, I know, kind of long-winded here, but my confidence is um, it's starting to diminish. There's no doubt there. But thanks for listening, guys. That's it for us today. I wish we had better news for you, but we don't. But it's some news, and we wanted to make sure that we covered it as timely as we possibly could. Of course, I, I know we missed something. There's something that we glossed over or missed, or as we're recording right now, I'm sure there's more news breaking that we're not seeing because we're recording. So we will obviously continue to cover this story. If there's more news breaking, as the SEC gets closer and closer to making a decision, we will completely have you guys covered. We will be back next week. I'm actually going on vacation next week, believe it or not. I don't even know if it's really a vacation. It's just about the only thing that we're able to do considering the situation. we, My wife and I travel a lot during the summer, uh, but we're not really able to do that right now, which really sucks. That's another big part of my life, something I really enjoy doing. But we're going to try to do a little something next week out of town for a couple of days. But don't worry, guys. I will still find time to record. I'm not going to leave you guys hanging. I promise you guys that at the beginning of this pandemic, and I'm not going back on my word now. So I will have the Auburn Scouting the Enemy preview for you guys. That's the plan right now. And we'll also try to get in I might try to get in the buy or sell preseason magazine show before I leave I might get Charlie to try to record with me maybe on Friday before I head out of town over the weekend and we'll get that to you guys next week as well so there will definitely be content whether I'm in town or not thanks for listening you guys are the best stay safe out there for Curtis I'm Tyler and as always go dogs.